This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. It's OBEHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces, their perfectly pampered pets, and who's walking who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the O-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Got cat? Or are you one of the countless dedicated people who reach out to homeless cats in your neighborhood with food, care, and a chance to enjoy life? You know what? We salute you. And you're in for a very special treat today because our special guest is one of the world's top experts on cats and animal welfare. And, uh, like me, she feels right at home behind a microphone because each week she hosts the Community Cats podcast. So, please join me in giving a marvelous welcome to Stacy LeBaron. Hey, welcome to the show, Stacy. Well, thank you so much for having me. Doesn't it feel weird, me fielding questions to you because your show, how long have you had the Community Cats podcast? About a year and a half. Um, we've done about 230 episodes. Woohoo! That's almost one a day. You're like a vitamin. <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody to know everything they need to know about community cats. You got it, girl. And we're going to repeat it often enough, but give us the website. It's www.communitycatspodcast.com. And make sure you plural those cats because there's more than one, right? Yep. Always All in right. the communities. So when you're not doing that, you're kind of the brains and inspiration behind the 2018 online cat conference. It's going to hit the airways, folks, on January 26th through the 28th, and you still have time to register and tune in. So we could be in our pajamas coming to your conference, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so I decided (laughs) to start a uh, virtual cat conference. Uh, I've spent many years when I was working in the nonprofit world traveling around to conferences, having to find cat sitters, having to, you know, find a hotel, pay for hotel, pay for airfare. And it was just seemed really expensive to a lot of folks who were out there trying to rescue cats day in and day out. And so I decided to try and create an affordable educational opportunity for folks where they'd be able to just tune in via their computer. They can even sit in their car while they're waiting for the cat to go into the trap and they can still watch a webinar sitting there with their coffee and making it as convenient and easy as possible for people to get information about how to help cats. You know, they could be sipping on catnip tea, too, because it's very (laughs) relaxing. But, you know, you hit the nail on the head. You're kind of like so 2018 with this. I know what it's like to go to conferences and pack and, like you said, worry about who's going to be caring for our pets while they're home. But you want to reach more people. So tell us how people can register for your conference. I know it's coming up on the 26th to 28th. Yeah, it's going to start on Friday night, January 26th, and run through to January 28th. We have a series of about 12 guest speakers. So there's going to be six presentations on Saturday and six on Sunday. And they can register for the conference at onlinecatconference.com. That's nice. You kind of got the who's who of 
cat folks in the world of rescue. I mean, I know of Karen Little. She's the founder of Alley Cat Advocates. You've got, you know, Brian Cordes. He's the director of national programs for neighborhood cats. I mean, what did these folks say when you say, hey, guess what? I want you to be the speaker at our conference, but you don't have to leave your home. Yeah, I'd say most of them said, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Because they all are interested in sharing their stories and sharing about the work that they're doing. And we have some very interesting topics. We we cover talking about what's going on with community cats in Hawaii. We even look at China, Beijing, what's going on in Australia. We have Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady, talking about how to save kittens. As you mentioned, Karen Little and Katie Lisnick are talking about the tip-top TNR best practices. And the list goes on and on. My favorite passion, one of my interests, is how to battle ringworm. So we even have a little bit of disease issues coming in on that, too. We're going to tease you listeners because we're going to dive into ringworm, but we got to pay for this show. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with Stacy LeBaron. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. Oh, behave. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. As I mentioned, our special guest today is a da-da-da-da champion for cats. All cats, but also dogs and other animals in need. I mean, when I look at your resume, Stacy, oh my gosh, it's great. You spent many years as president of the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. That's in Massachusetts. And you're also on the uh, board of the uh, committee of the Shelter Medicine Group at Tufts University. Not too shabby. And somehow you host the podcast and you mentor about 80 groups in setting up trap, neuter, and return programs. Do you sleep? <laughs> yes, I do. I love sleep, actually. Oh, so it's sleep like one a of my. Cat. One of my favorite things, yes, and my cats do often join me, Hooch and Misha. They join me quite frequently with my electric blanket up here in Vermont. But um, chilly. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it was a tremendous experience that I had, and I learned so much over the years. And my objective is to try and share that experience with folks all around the world and in the country, in the United States. Well, let's get right to it because for many, many years, people refer to the cats that are out in the neighborhood that just seemed like, I don't really want you to touch me as feral cats. 
And now the term is more aptly called community cats. So explain the name change. And I personally prefer community cats. Yeah. So when we were talking about feral cats back in the the 90s, it really didn't categorize all of our outdoor kitties. It only categorized the ones that were really born in the wild. That's the specific definition of feral. Well, you know, a lot of people have indoor-outdoor cats. A lot of community cats are fed by five or six neighbors in the neighborhood, and they're not necessarily owned by one particular family, but they are loved by everyone in the neighborhood. And so that's been one of our focuses in trying to shift the language to community cats. In my world, any cat that has four paws on the asphalt and is not spayed or neutered can contribute to cat overpopulation. So do I care if it's a scaredy cat? Do I care if it's a friendly cat? Not really. What I do care is whether or not it's spayed or neutered. That is spot on so well defined. I like that. I mean, I live in Dallas and I just got married a few months ago. And now I have learned that there's a whole neighborhood of community cats here, including one-eyed Mort that we take care of. And he's a tiger striped cat. And so we don't get as cold as Vermont, but this cat has adopted us. So he unfortunately is HIV. We think he's a carrier. We never could get the whole scoop from the veterinarian, but he can't interact with our house cats, Casey and Mikey, but it's cold. So we have made this laundry room into Morty's hangout. And so when it's cold out or bad weather, he hangs out and he's hers. We got toys for him and everything. And every time we go anywhere, we go to our cars. He wants to take a walk with us. He walks everywhere. I wish we could bring him in because of, but we don't want him to get to Mikey and Casey contagious. So that seems to be a plight. I'm not the only person. There's people that are kind all over the planet that want to feed these cats, but there's more to it than feeding, isn't it? Yeah, there is more to it than feeding. You really want to get the cat spayed or neutered and ear tipped, ear tipped, a little snip off the ear so that they're always identified as being sterilized. So if an animal control officer comes along, they know that somebody is feeding that cat, caring for the cat, and knows that that cat's not going to contribute to the overpopulation situation in the community. Where I worked in the Newburyport area in Massachusetts, we started out with 300 cats on the Newburyport waterfront. And by the early 2000s, we had no cats on the waterfront. Wow. Really, you can, through an aggressive community-oriented program, you can practically eliminate your community cats, you know, in the area. And it all starts with spaying and neutering. And I always say it starts with Adam and Eve. I mean, that's how it all goes. (laughs) Yeah, darn those guys. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when I started a cat mobile, which was a mobile spay-neuter clinic for cats, I said that if Adam and Eve do get abandoned, I want to make sure that they're spayed and neutered before that happens. Oh my gosh, I could just see you wheeling around. Did you ever get a ticket going too fast? Yes. While you were in hot pursuit? Sorry. I I wasn't driving, but yeah, the Catmobile has probably got some tickets and it's hit a couple (laughs) of like the, uh, you know, McDonald's overpass and the drive through. Too tall. But it's a pretty cool vehicle and the two vehicles together, we have two Catmobiles. They've assisted over 70,000 cats since 2008. Oh, amen to you on that. Pause up. I mean, move over, Batmobile. You got the Catmobile. (laughs) 
I think that's much better, don't you think? I, I agree. We've had it in parades and everything. It's a really fun thing. You're just going to have to park it, though, when you no more drive throughs Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. drive throughs and low bridges are not good for us. No, no. But with the cats, and you made a, a key thing. That's what Morty has got his ear tipped, and Mikey is one of those kitties that we were able to bring in, and he's got an ear tip. So people need to know. I know it's silly, but it's not painful. They're under anesthesia, but this is like the calling card mark, don't you think? Oh, yes. It's definitely the main way to be able to identify cats. We now have microchipping too. um, And the microchipping has a great benefit because it then gives the cat a unique number and it can tie it to its rabies vaccination. So Mm -hmm. if it does get picked up with any sort of a wound, then you can trace its rabies vaccination to make sure that it's current on that and it won't have to do a long isolation period. In some states, there are long isolation periods with regards to that. And an ear tip's not going to say, hey, I was vaccinated on June 3rd, 2003 or whatever but it will tell you it is spayed or neutered. Spaying and neutering is really the most important thing you can do to help reduce disease, population. It's really, it's a no-brainer. Resources should all be dumped that way. I like that. Now, in addition to that, sometimes people like to leave overfilled bowls on their porches for cats. What's the good and bad of that? Well, obviously the biggest challenge with feeding cats in our communities is that you end up not only feeding the cats, but you have the opportunity to feed many other animals in your community. So we try and recommend that you feed only in designated periods of time and try and train your cats to come to a set period of time in either the morning and in the evening, um, having them uh, fed in an elevated area. And obviously you don't want to waste food because you're going to feed rats. Rats are a hot topic. I'm becoming a rat specialist. <laughs> are you going to um, get a rat mobile? <laughs> I, I may have to because in the communities where we seem to be reducing the cat overpopulation problem, the rat population is growing. And so a lot of boards of health who have contacted us about cats now are contacting us about the rats. And so we have to kind of talk about that challenge in a community too. And so you really do want to be as careful as possible and try and limit who has access to the food and keeping it as elevated as possible and trying to prevent other animals from being able to have access to that food is really a good first step. No, that sounds great. I mean, I've opened my door and we do limit, pick up the bowl and, you know, give them a little bit of time. But we've had, you know, raccoons and a possum. It's kind of jarring because they don't have their ear tipped and uh, you're not expecting them. So... I don't have a possum mobile, but yeah, animals in the neighborhoods, you know, they find the food scent. So you're doing the right thing. Now, the other tip I was hoping you can give people is why should they not be relocated community cats? What's the concern there? So with regards to relocation, it's really done as a very much of a last option. I did run a barn relocation program for quite a few years, and you really have to take a solid four to six week period to basically rehome those cats, meaning in a contained environment. So they would have to be in a stall or attack room for really mm-hmm. a substantial period of time. And then it's really pretty risky whether they sort of stick. And I don't know if people would understand yeah. that, but really having the cats stick to that specific area is very challenging. And there's a range of different statistics between 50 and 75% of cats staying, but it's, you know, I hear more 50%. Like if you start out with 
six cats, you end up with three that end up staying past six months. And then the others sort of disappear off into the wilderness or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's really, really, really a last option. And I highly encourage doing it with set groups, colonies that are already bonded. So you don't take like one cat from one place, one cat from another and say, hey, let's throw them in a playpen together for four weeks and think that they're going to be a happy family. But say you have a mom with her three kids and that the kids are all older feral kittens and they all get transported as a group, that would be a more successful placement. Well, there's also a term I've heard, the vacuum effect. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So explain that to our listeners. So if you say, I've got 10 cats in my backyard, and I can't stand them, and I want to get rid of them, and blah, blah, blah. So you've got that scenario. That person traps those 10 cats, and they go wherever they go. And then inevitably, 10 to 15 more cats will show up who are not spayed and neutered, who are much more obnoxious and probably do much more damage in your backyard because you have then opened up an opportunity for cats that are in other neighboring areas to move into that section where there are available food sources. Even if you're not feeding those cats, they're getting food from somewhere in that general area. So they're getting it from a neighbor, they're getting it from a dumpster somewhere, and they're going to move in. And so the vacuum effect is sort of this leveling off of things. And even Mother Nature really works to fight that vacuum effect. When we were getting near the end of our time with, uh, we only had a few cats that we still hadn't trapped in the Newburyport waterfront. When we had pregnant cats and they had their kittens, we were having litters of nine to 11 kittens because Mother Nature was working hard to try and repopulate what we had basically taken away. Wow. And these cats that are intact, especially the males, they're yowling and boy, they're making your whole house area smell so nice with their love urine, right? (laughs) Yeah, it really is unfortunate. You know, anyone who has been around an unneutered male cat, yes, they have great cheeks. But other than that, you know, we really don't need them doing what they do. That's right. So on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We've just talked about pee, which is one of my favorite (laughs) topics. But seriously, we're going to find out some more things on how you can help community cats and perhaps stay in your pajamas and attend the online cat convention that Stacey LeBaron is the brains behind right after this commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Licker Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Licker Chops with omega-6, omega-3, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. And dogs love it. Try Licko Chops. Buy two, get one free. This is Henry Lukasiewicz for Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, everybody. This is Jackson Galaxy from Animal Planets, my cat from hell. And I'm here with Arden Moore on the wonderful Obehave show on Pet Life Radio. Don't miss it. 
We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to OBHAVE. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the OBHAVE show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm learning a lot and I'm so glad that Stacy LeBaron is our special guest. She wears uh, many collars in the animal welfare world. She is the creator, and I want you guys to dash over to this. It's called the Online Cat Conference. It's January 26th, 27th, and 28th. And you just go to learn more about it. Go to her podcast, which is communitycatspodcast.com. Stacy, I mean, you've helped a lot of cats, but what I don't hear from you is frustration. So you've got the right attitude or catitude, I guess. Well, thank you very much. I really try to think outside of the box. I try to be creative and positive. There were so many times, don't get me wrong, there were so many times where I was not happy, I was frustrated. But you know what? That's part of the challenge. And you you plow through it and you say, okay, I can figure out a way I can help you. And that's why I really wanted to start this online cat conference because I don't want people to feel like they're all alone and that they're just, you know, fighting against the world all the time. It's okay to have a bad day every now and again, but when those bad days become every day, that's a problem. And I want people to believe that they can make a difference in one cat, two cats, 20 cats, 2,000, 200,000 cats. They can do it and they just need help from others and they need to believe it's not just themselves. Which got us back to, you thought I was going to forget about it, but ringworm. So one of your speakers is going to, let's talk about Ringhorn because it's not a laughing matter, but you've got a stellar lineup of uh, experts on the docket, but tell us about Ringhorn. What are we going to learn? Yes. So Laura Mullen of the San Francisco SPCA, she's a veterinary technician. I've had her interviewed on my podcast. So you can always go to the communitycatspodcast.com and search her name under Mullen. And um, so she talked about her experience in developing a really fascinating treatment protocol for ringworm. So much so that the, the San Francisco SPCA, they look for cats that have ringworm in other shelters and they go wow. get them and they bring them in to treat them. And so, you know, from anyone in the sheltering world, if there's somebody out there looking for ringworm cats, that's a pretty exciting thing. And so it's a wonderful protocol. So I really wanted Laura to share how she's not afraid of this disease and she feels like that we can really handle it and manage it and not have these cats with ringworm really be looked at as like, oh, this is terrible. You know, our world is ending. Either our foster home has it or our shelter has it or, you know, how do we handle the cleaning issues and the treatment issues and that kind of thing. So I'm very excited about that. We also have Pat Breyer talking about feline leukemia kitties and how to adopt them out. They are, you know, a population that is really thought to be once a cat comes in, test positive for feline leukemia. Everybody has uh, this, you know, pregnant pause and they're like, oh well, what are we going to do? Well, there's a future for cats with feline leukemia and we need to bring that to the forefront. And those cats do deserve a home and a place to live out their lives. Now she's with the Humane Society of Southern Arizona, correct? That is correct. Yeah. That was a lucky guess. No, I have your website (laughs) on front of me. (laughs) And then, you know, and then one of the others is Miles Chadwick from Emancipet. And he's going to talk bigger picture, which is, you know, how every community needs to have a clinic and how to develop that because we do need access to low cost or no cost um, spay neuter for our cats. The cat problem is an overpopulation problem and we need to have affordable access. 
I say cats are the pets of the poor. As your income level goes down, the number of cats you have goes up. Interesting. And as your income level goes up, the number of dogs you have goes up. So it's an inverse relationship between cats and dogs. So I say cats are pets of the poor, and we need to be able to provide services for those cats. That is very well put. I spent last month, I went to uh, South Florida and the Peggy Adams Rescue League. They are really big in their community cat program and Paul Bates is the man behind it. I actually went with him as we met a gal named Brenda who every day in her mobile home comes outside and feeds about 20 cats in a colony in the morning and at night. And it just, it was amazing to see what's happening. And you know what? She makes less than a thousand dollars a month and she's living, but her dedication to the cats is priceless. I mean, I'm sure there's many Brenda's like that out there. Oh yeah. And they just love the cats. I mean, they all have names and they're just providing such great emotional support to folks that can feel very isolated and challenged too. I mean, we all do. We all know that animals provide us with love, companionship, relationship, communication. So there's so many factors where community cats are really great for us, but we just need to be able to make sure that it doesn't get out of control. That's right, because then you have a hoarding situation, or worse, you have cats that are intact that are just, like you say, popping out like biscuits, new kittens. That's right. I mean, six to eight unspayed and neutered cats, you've got a hoarder by the next year. Oh, my gosh, that's right. Now, the one speaker I'm really curious about, she doesn't have to travel at all. you got a gal from Beijing coming in. <laughs> well, not really coming in. She's not flying on virtual airline. Tell us about Mary Peng and what's happening there. Yeah, Mary is a fantastic woman, and she is working with a lot of the private veterinarians in Beijing to help facilitate training them on how to handle community cats, as well as she has her own clinic there in the city. But she's really trying to create a scalable program that will be able to be replicated all around the country. And I think having a conversation about what private practice is doing To help community cats is really important because we need to be collaborating with private practice in order to make sure that every community has no cat left behind. That's right. That's right. Now, technical aspects. Are you concerned about any technical hiccups when you're doing this? Because, (laughs) you know, people have all kinds of systems. So how in the heck are you going to pull this off and the technical aspects? So I just sign up, I register, then what happens? Yep. So then once you register through onlinecatconference.com, then you will get a receipt for your payment and you'll get login information. We use the platform GoToWebinar. So there's for each day, you click on each day and you'll register for each day. And then it gives you all the reminder information about how to sign up the morning of. If you can't attend all of the presentations, no worries. It's being recorded. And we will make that available to all the registrants after the event. And how much does this cost? Because you're saving a wallop amount of money from no hotel, no travel, no, you know, airplane. So it's pretty affordable, right? Right. It's only $75 and it's uh, two full days. And then uh, Friday night is sort of a, is a social and presentation for me from uh, six to eight on Friday night. It's sort of our warm up. Are we going to have a virtual Pinot Meow or Pinot Noir? <laughs> You can drink whatever you want. I'm not carding anybody. (laughs) So let's say you do register and you can't sit and attend everyone live. How long, once you register, are you going to have access to these talks? Probably about a week after, sometimes maybe earlier than that, but I'm Mm -hmm. guaranteeing a week after all the uh, talks will be released. 
Okay. Before we bid adieu, is there a few other tips you want to share with our listeners? I love cats. I love dogs. I actually love people too, but (laughs) there's this special group of community cats and I just think the time is now to shine the spotlight on them. Oh, I agree. I just feel like there's so many people that feel like they can't do anything and that they have to always connect with the shelter or some other program and they feel like they can't do it themselves. And I want to have everybody feel empowered that if they have a couple of cats in their backyard, they can make a difference and help those cats. So there's no reason why we all can't help our community cats. Well, I agree with you. I give you a pause up salute to that. <laughs> Folks, we're speaking with Stacy LeBaron. She also is a host of a podcast I want you all to tune into. It's called communitycatspodcast.com. And please check on that site for the online cat conference, or you can go to onlinecatconference.com too, right? Yes, you can go on onlinecatconference.com. And for anything else, you can check us out at the communitycatspodcast.com. We have a range of other programs. We provide grants to small organizations. Nice. You can just feel free to, to check us out. And you can always send me an email at stacy at communitycatspodcast.com. And let's get your cell number that everybody can call you at 3 a.m. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> My cell number is on the website. You can oh, feel free to check it out there. To, you're listening. And uh, on behalf of my two rescue cats, Mikey and Casey, Casey actually teaches pet first aid with me all over the country. He's a, I call him a shelter alum from San Diego Humane Society. And Mikey came from the streets. He's got a tip deer. We salute you, Stacy, And we also uh, give a big purr to uh, Hooch and Misha, your cool cats at your home. Well, Arden, thank you so much for having me on the show. All right. Again, this was Stacy LeBaron. You guys got to check her out, and I hope you can attend her conference. You can be in your pajamas. It's awesome. I also, at this time, want to give a special salute to my producer, Mark Winter. He's the executive producer of Pet Life Radio. We call him the Wizard of Paws. And uh, until next time, folks, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Obehave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's Obehave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.